0: It is amazing as I read the Christmas narrative to see this word joy as it appears and then reappears. There is rejoicing. There is great joy in the Christmas story. Remember the angel announced to the shepherds at the birth of Jesus, I bring you good news of what? Great joy that will be for all people. Over and over again in the gospel account of the birth of Jesus, there is a reference to this joy. And it's not just a little bit of joy, it is mega joy that is for everyone. The reason joy is such a huge part of the Christmas story is because it is such a huge part of the reason God sent the Messiah to planet earth. God came so that we could have joy. And if that joy is such a huge part of the life that our Messiah has brought to us, why is it in such short supply in the lives of believers today? Hmm. Why? Why do we find ourselves whining and worrying? Oh boy, this hit home with me. The... the uh, The retinal specialist looked at me and he said, I can tell you your problem, Mr. Harmon. And he was rather frank, wasn't he, Angie? He said, Your problem is your blood pressure is way too high and you've not dealt with that. And it is. I mean, I've always had high blood pressure, but worse than that is is my heritage. I come from a long line of warriors. I mean, I do, it's in my blood. My granddaddy Whitmire was a worry wart. He was a big man, a strong man, but I'm telling you, he worried about everything. And not only do I look like my granddaddy Whitmire, I worry like him. I am wound way too tight. Now, you knowing me, you, you probably didn't know that about me because I have learned through the years how to mask that and how to hide that. And you think I'm just a carefree, easygoing guy. Well, I'm not. I'm wound way too tight. And I worry way too much. My wife, on numerous occasions, has tried to teach me the fine art of relaxation. Every time she teaches me that lesson and it gives me a test, I flunk it. Yeah. So it's in me to worry. And, and sometimes we do that. Sometimes we just, I mean, we whine, we worry, we're stressed out, we're depressed much of the time. And, In the absence of that real mega joy, we try to to fill our lives with the things and experiences of this world, trying to find that joy and hoping that we find meaning in life that's missing in our heart. It's kind of like eating candy when what we really need is nutrition. Remember when your parents used to say, you can't have that candy before your meal, do y'all remember that? You're not too old. You can still remember that. Why would they say something like that? I know it's just because they were mean, right? No, it's because they knew that it would ruin your appetite for the real meal. The trouble with eating candy is that it gives you a sugar buzz, right? I mean, you get this sugar buzz. And then you don't feel as hungry, at least for a short time, huh? You see, candy hides the fact that your body needs certain nutritions, certain proteins and vitamins and carbohydrates. The things that produce happiness in this world act like spiritual sugar. It makes us happy temporarily. But you know what? It's not going to last. It can't last. And soon we find ourselves looking for the next Spiritual high, looking for the next sugar. What we don't understand is that we are starved spiritually for the joy and the satisfaction that only comes to a personal relationship with a living God. So, I've, I've got to ask you today. I've got to ask you this today. Where's your joy? Do you have joy in your heart? Maybe, maybe you've lost your joy. If so, where did you leave it behind? And it could be that you're here this morning and and you've never found that joy. Well, you're in a good place and it's not by chance that you're here. I am here to share with you and tell you where real joy comes from. The only source of real joy is through God himself and a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 1. And we're going to read this morning what we call Mary's song. Mary's heart is so overwhelmed with the joy of being chosen by God for this huge task that she explodes with this gratitude and with praise. I'm going to try to read it. I've, I've chosen my NIV Bible because the print is larger and bolder. <laughs> so you just go along with me. If I, if I miss something, uh, well, you can see it in your Bible or on the screen. Here's Mary's song. Just as he promised our ancestors. Lord, please bless the reading and now the preaching of your word. Speak to our hearts about the joy that you can give. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I want to talk to you about the joy of the Lord. But specifically, I want you to see from this story, there is joy in serving God. Okay? Real joy comes from serving God. Now, I know people who spend their entire lives rummaging around from hobby to hobby, from relationship to relationship, from toy to toy, trying to find and looking for something that might bring them true joy. But guess what? They never find it. So my message to you today is real simple. Stop the mad, elusive chase. You're not going to find joy in anything this world gives. It's only a synthetic substitute. If you want real joy, what you need to do is bury yourself in a life of service to God and to other people, and you will find the joy that you're looking for. Look again at Mary's song. For 2,000 years, this song of Mary has been recorded in God's Word. For almost 1,500 years, the church has been putting music with Mary's song and singing it. Uh, Here is what she said in verse 46. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant." So when Mary says, my spirit rejoices in God, she's saying, I have found joy deep down in my heart. And she found that joy through serving God. This overwhelming joy comes from the fact that Mary is aware of the fact that God has chosen her, God has called her, and God has equipped her to be a part of something that is going to bless the entire world. In her song, Mary identifies herself as the Lord's servant. The word literally means slave girl. And Mary wasn't ashamed of that. In fact, she was thankful for it. She said, Lord, I am willing to be your slave girl. I am willing to be your servant. And she is overcome and overwhelmed and absolutely lost in her service to God. She was thankful that God chose her. She was glad to serve and because of that she had joy. Now to to understand this we need to go back a few verses. And just see how Mary became a part of this great thing that God was doing in bringing joy to the world and joy to her heart. in Luke chapter one verse 26, it explains to us that God sent an angel named Gabriel to explain all of this to this young teenage girl named Mary, who is pledged to be married to a man whose name is Joseph. And Luke makes sure he gives careful attention to acknowledge the fact that Mary is a virgin. She's never had a sexual relationship with any man. And so God is giving to this young lady a task that will ultimately cause her to overflow with great joy as she is caught up in the activity of Almighty God. There is joy in serving God. You didn't hear that. I sure can't see if you're sleeping. But let me say it again. There is joy in serving Jesus. I'm here to tell you. But having said that, we all know that not all service is joyous. Sometimes... Sometimes we volunteer for things and sometimes we accept tasks and we do them, but it's not with joy. Many times it's with drudgery. Many times there's no joy in it at all. Has that ever happened to you in your service for God in the church? I mean, you're doing it, but it's not for the right reason and there's certainly no joy there and you kind of dread it. And you really don't want to show up. And when, and when you see that nursery worker who's in charge of making the schedule, Miss Ashwin walk towards you, you go down the other way and try to... Huh? Or when you see Brother Johnny coming with a list, said, oh, no, not again. Why is that? I mean, why is that? Well, I've got a theory, okay? And I think it's backed up by the Bible. But, but let me just share my theory. I'll call it some willology this morning. I, I think the way, the reason we're like that and what's going on is simply because we are not serving in our sweet spot. Think about it. Uh, any of y'all like baseball? Okay, Raise your hand if you I love watching uh, Major League Baseball on TV, and uh, when a batter gets up there, and they use the wooden bats, the real thing, and you see a batter up there, and you can hear it over the TV. When they hit that ball in the sweet spot of the bat, are you with me? There is a certain crack that that bat makes, and when the impact of that bat hits that ball, you know it's going over the fence. It is a distinct sound. Why? Because the batter has come through and hit the ball on the sweet spot of the bat. Unusual power. Same thing is true with golf clubs. I used to play golf a lot. I don't play golf very much anymore. But in every club, there is a sweet spot on the club. Uh, Can you see that little red dot I put right there? Okay. That, that signifies the sweet spot of that club. Now, if you were looking at a professional golfer's golf club or a really good golfer like in our first service, Paul Hamilton, who's a great golfer, you would notice in their club there's, there's, a, there's a little round dot on their club. And I've looked at professional clubs. The, the reason that dot is there is because that's where they always hit their ball, right on that dot. Now, if you look at this club, which is an old club of mine, there's marks and scratches all over this club. Because <laughs> I very seldom hit it on the sweet spot. I don't play golf much anymore, but, but I'll go out and play a round of golf with some of my preacher buddies. And about in, in a regular game of golf, if I, if I score 90, there, there might be one or two shots that I hit pretty close in that sweet spot. That's awful. <laughs> That's the reason I don't play golf much anymore. But you know what, here's the deal. When I do hit the golf ball on that sweet spot, it is it's sweet, baby. I mean, it's sweet. The ball just explodes off the face of that club, and it goes forever. And it's like it's effortless. And I'm thinking, ooh, I hit the ball on the sweet spot every single time. Well, here's what I'm telling you this morning. Mary found her sweet spot. And I've got a special name for this. It is the service sweet spot. She found what God made her to do. God made each of us to do something in his kingdom. It is our service sweet spot. And the result of Mary finding that sweet spot is that through her, Mary is going to bless the whole world. And that is going to bring great joy into Mary's heart. Hmm. And the same thing can be true for us. You'll find joy in the service sweet spot when three things line up. And what are those three things? Well, the first of the three is the grace of God. You've got to have God's grace in your life. Look at verse 28 of Luke chapter 1. By the way, are you out there? Okay, here it is, verse 28. The angel went and said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And that word favor is our word grace. Mary, literally the angel said, Mary, you have been graced by God. And and my question to this whole story is this. How could something, which really is someone so great, that is Jesus, how in the world could Jesus come from someone who is so young, so poor, so simple, so unknown, so unmarried, and so unrighteous? Because believe you me, Mary was not perfect. How in the world could God use someone like you or me or Mary... To bring about this great activity of God, which is so wonderful and so great and so perfect. The only answer to that question is, it's because of His grace. That's how He could do it. It's because of grace. And God always does it this way so that He can get the glory. And we don't. Now, we're going to go back to Mary's song and I want you to see something about God's grace, how it flows into our life. First thing I want you to notice is God's grace flows to the humble, to those humble in spirit. God works through humble people who realize their dependence on God and that they are dependent upon the grace of God. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. And that's exactly the way Mary sees herself. Verse 48. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Verse 51b, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. Church, I want you to see this. That This is true when it comes to salvation. You and I are lost in our sins, and we can't do a single cut and pick and thing to save ourselves. We we do not deserve to have a relationship with God. We do not deserve eternal life through Jesus Christ. But the doorway to our salvation is in humbling ourselves before God. And when we humble ourselves before God, God's grace flows into our life. Not only is that true about salvation, it's also true about Christian service. As long as I think God is privileged... To have me on his team. I will be of no use to him or anyone else. Grace is what makes our service truly glorifying to God and helpful to others. The fact that grace flows through humble people. And and maybe this morning you just need to get over your pride, which was the very first sin that happened in heaven, Okay, and humble yourselves before God. And let His grace flow into your life so that you can experience that joy. God's grace not only flows to the humble, it also flows to the hungry. Look at verse 53. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. I think about the teaching of Jesus when He taught the Sermon on the Mount. And He said in Matthew 5:6: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. As long as I'm full of myself or full of the things of this world, I can never be filled with the grace of God. The two don't mix. But when I realize my poverty apart from God and I hunger and thirst after Him, His grace can flow into my life. Woo! Now we're looking at it and getting good. God's grace flows to the humble. It flows to the hungry. But three, God's grace flows to the helpless. Look at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. So God came to help helpless people. Are you you hearing that? God came to help helpless people. And as long as we think that we can do things in our own strength and that we don't need His help, we will miss the life of joy that God has for us. So I have to say, God, I have nothing to give you. I'm helpless when it comes to really helping anybody else. So Lord, I want to empty myself so that you can do your work in me and through me. And when we admit that we are humble and hungry and helpless, God's grace flows into our life. You see, Mary saw the Lord turning everything in her little world upside down. And that's what God does. God turns our world upside down. And when He does that, He turns nobodies into somebodies. And the hungry are filled... And the helpless become strong. You know, I really look at it like this. In in our service to God and others, we should consume grace. Are you with me? We should consume God's grace like a 747 jet consumes jet fuel. We need to constantly take in God's grace. Here's the deal. We just can't do the extraordinary without the grace of God in our life. Just like a 747 jet can't fly without that jet fuel flowing into its engines. We need God's grace flowing into our life so that we can in turn give God's grace to others. And when we do that, joy unspeakable and full of glory. So Mary sings with joy because of the grace of God. But number two, the second thing that has to line up is she understands the assignment of God. What assignment did God give Mary? Well, look at it like this. Mary is given the assignment of presenting Jesus to the world. Wow. Look at the gospel narrative. Verse 31. The angel said, You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. At its root... This is what all service should look like. Whether it be Mary or whether it be you or whether it be me. Our service for Kavanaugh Church, for the kingdom of God, and for the Lord Jesus Christ is to do what Mary was called to do. We are called to present Jesus to a lost world. Look at it like that, church. Whatever assignment you're given in God's kingdom to do, whatever work you're called to do, ultimately that is to present Jesus to the world so that His grace and His mercy and His help and His salvation can be made known to others. Have you ever had someone serve you in such a way that you just really, I mean, you kind of got the impression, it sent chills up and down your spine, you felt like that God was doing that through that person to you? Maybe you were at the hospital and someone came to see see you and and the words they spoke to you, it it just felt like Jesus was in the room. Or maybe you went through a time of depression and and really struggling with some things and spoken a word to you and it was as if God spoke that word to you. Or or maybe someone spoke truth into your life and, and that truth was from God's word and when that service whatever it was you felt as if you were receiving that from the hand of God himself that's the way God wants to use all of us as we present Jesus to others now now notice how Mary responds to this revelation verse 34 she said how will this be she asked the angel how will this be since i'm a virgin I mean, this sounds pretty cool, Mr. Gabriel. But there there ain't no way possible this can happen. Just can't happen. But that brings the third characteristic that has to line up for us to receive the joy of the Lord. Not only is it his grace, and not only is it his assignment, but number three, it's all in his power. This could happen simply because of the power of God. Mary's joy overflows because she is serving a God in the service sweet spot. She has the grace of God all over her life. She's been called by God to an assignment to present Jesus to the world. And it can only happen through the power of God. Look at verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. Now I really love the end of this verse. For nothing is impossible with God. (laughs) Amen? I mean let's shout a word of praise. Nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything. Amen. You may think God you may think God could never do anything with someone like you. I'm sure Mary felt that way. Or you may think God could never do anything through someone like you. Someone with your weaknesses, someone with your past, someone with your fears, someone with your inabilities. But God, I mean, that's the way God works. <laughs> he takes the nobodies and he does something through them. God takes the weak things of this world and manifests His greatness. First Peter chapter four verse eleven says, "If anyone speaks." He should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. God uses weak, incomplete, insufficient people like you and me so that we can't take the praise for it but have to give the praise to God. And then he is glorified. And as a result of that, people are ministered to. And as a result of that, joy explodes in our hearts. How do we connect with joy that comes in being consumed with the service of God? Well, we need to respond to God's grace and His call and His power just like Mary did. Luke chapter 1 verse 38, she said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me exactly as you have said. Or just, okay. (laughs) You say you can do it, do it. I'm willing to be used by you. And again, I'm talking about the joy of serving God. Maybe you've spent your life up to this point rummaging around from hobby to hobby from relationship to relationship from toy to toy looking for something that might bring you true true joy you haven't found it you're not gonna find it so friends stop the mad elusive chase what you need to do is bury yourself in service for God you do that The grace is gonna flow the task, the assignment is going to be clear. You're going to start serving in your sweet spot. And the power of God is going to flow through you. And lives are going to be changed. And when that happens, dude, let me tell you, you're going to have something the world can't touch. And that is the joy of God. Now, why in the world would I preach a sermon like this on this particular Sunday? It's not by chance God put it all together. It's because of what we do tomorrow and adopt a family. We're going to have an opportunity to serve with joy. Now, you're going to have the chance to come here and serve out of drudgery or out of guilt or out of a bad attitude. And if you choose to come and serve that way, let me tell you, you're going to go away with a bad attitude and with drudgery and with guilt. And, and maybe it maybe part of it you haven't found your sweet spot. Well, shake it up a little bit, man. And instead of serving pizza, take someone on, on one of the little, the guy, be a guide. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just throwing it out there. Find what God made you to do. Whether it be serving an adoptive family or serving, serving somehow in his kingdom. But friend, you've got to find your niche. You've got to find your sweet spot because that's the only way you're going to have